This is a Federal News Network podcast. Authorities responsible for the federal system of security background checks have glommed onto an idea, continuous evaluation. The idea is to constantly check on cleared people by automated means rather than do periodic reinvestigations. My next guest says the government needs to proceed with caution, though. David Lucky is senior international and defense researcher at the RAND Corporation, and he joins me now. Mr. Lucky, good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Tom. Your report is quite detailed, and you found basically that continuous evaluation is a good idea but may not be fully baked yet. Tell us uh, what you found. So uh, in the report, which was exploratory research, um, we came up with 10 findings uh, that spanned a gamut of issues. Uh, Generally, though, the bottom line is uh, we've perceived that continuous evaluation Uh, augmenting the standard investigation and adjudication process can provide some real benefit. And how do you see continuous evaluation working in the first place? It would seem like they would need a lot of automated tools and crawlers and so forth to be able to pull the data sources that would give a clue as to whether someone deserves to keep their clearance. Uh, No, that's absolutely correct. Um, Continuous evaluation in augmenting the standard process being used today um, would rely on uh, heavy data sources and data management, uh, would need a, an extensive database and to, to conduct the real-time evaluation and monitoring that would be required. The process uh, as uh, executed today is based on a process that was developed uh, during World War II, and the standards and methods are the same. Uh, Technology advanced tremendously, obviously, since World War II, and uh, we believe that the time is right. Uh, Systems and technology are in place to affect a good process. And you said you found there are several benefits to this. What are the chief ones? Well, uh, the two major benefits, one would be in efficiency and the other would be in effectiveness. Uh, Regarding efficiency, um, while we didn't do a detailed cost analysis, we did a modest cost analysis, and we determined that there would be a potential for tremendous cost savings uh, over the long term by implementing a continuous evaluation process. Regarding effectiveness, um, it's fairly apparent that when investigations and adjudications are done periodically and aperiodically, there would be a gap between those investigations and adjudications, whereas in a continuous evaluation process, uh, employees would be monitored in near real time, and if something changed in their background, that would uh, be noted in, the, in those data, and thus action could be taken. So the decision-making would still remain with people, but there would be some kind of an alert system like this person just got a visa for three months in Russia, for example. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Ultimately, uh, we suggest that not to do away with the current periodic and aperiodic investigation and adjudication process, but augment that with near real-time monitoring through – financial reporting, travel reporting, legal reporting, et cetera. And then if uh, an algorithm determines that someone is uh, beyond the norm, then a full investigation could be done on that person, just as it would be today. And are there any other nations or locations that have a model that have tried this, maybe ahead of the United States? 
which would not be unheard of. Yeah, I'm not familiar with one, Tom. Then that leaves the challenges to actually implementing this. And what were your chief ones that you've laid out? Yes. So implementation, obviously, is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, there's currently a pilot project that's been underway at the Department of Defense for a couple years, uh, imp- actually implementing this um, my last check, there were a million people involved in this. And uh, the process, from what I found, seems to be working well, but there are little uh, publicly released data to fully understand how it's working. Uh, however, um, in implementation, uh, there are thoughts uh, by some that uh, being monitored continuously might be too onerous on the employee. Uh, what we found, uh, as one example, is that uh, the substance of the monitoring is not different. Only the time period or the periodicity of monitoring, uh, the same types of uh, monitors are in place, those being, uh, as I briefly mentioned, financial, travel, legal, etc. We're speaking with David Lucky. He's senior international and defense researcher at the RAND Corporation. And you mentioned there's no centralized or authorized facility to receive anonymous reporting streams from individuals, and that would have to be somehow created alongside something that's automated. Well, that would certainly augment uh, a system that's in place. Uh, Currently, there isn't a place for uh, the federal government across all departments and agencies to receive anonymous reporting. The way that the current uh, investigation and adjudication process works, investigators go out and interview those who know the person undergoing uh, review, uh, colleagues, employers, educators, neighbors, etc. Well, what would happen if one of these neighbors, employers, former colleagues, etc., uh, learn something uh, that might trigger uh, concern, there is no way to anonymously report that today. And at this point, unless you have been one of the people the investigators come and interview in your home, you wouldn't even know whether your neighbor or someone you encounter is involved in clearance in the first place. That's absolutely correct. Even though there's a very large population of cleared individuals in the United States, Uh, As of 2013, it was over 5 million people, which, by the way, is larger than the population of Norway. You're absolutely right. Um, Many people are interviewed uh, regarding these uh, millions of clearance holders, but if if you were not – if inquiries weren't made of you, then you would have no way of knowing. And what about the algorithms? Because the issue with algorithms is bias and whether they're – engineered in such a way that the wrong results could come up even by well-intentioned designers. I would think that's a major challenge for a CE system. It is. Uh, In fact, uh, that's one of the important aspects of implementation that we discussed earlier. The algorithm uh, would have to be accurate, although it would be refined over time as more and more information comes into the system. Uh, Again, you would still have a person at the back end uh, reviewing uh, if someone popped on the algorithm. For example, uh, someone might have extremely high bills, much higher than they had previously uh, over a period of a few months. But upon deeper investigation, it might be determined that uh, someone in their family was facing a medical crisis and those bills uh, were made to... uh, 
you know, cover medical expenses. Uh, upon review by a person, they would quickly determine, yes, this person's finances have changed dramatically in the preceding few months, but there is a good reason for that. And that gets into the issue of the need for privacy. That is to say, the agency that is responsible for maintaining background security clearances, the people within there have to be or have to firewall information that they know about people that are being investigated or looked after from other agencies or other other outside entities. You're absolutely correct, but that's no different than how it works today. Investigators and adjudicators are bound uh, by secrecy of the people they are investigating and the clearances they are adjudicating. And so that would be no different uh, than it is today. All right. So now the Defense Department has a brand new bureau, or it will by sometime in the wintertime, moved over from the Office of Personnel Management, new contractors, some of the same staff, the same leadership. What should they do first, do you think, right now to rev up the CE program that you say they're, they've been piloting? Well, there are many things uh, that they could do. Uh, as I mentioned previously, we came up with 10 findings uh, in our research. Um, there currently is no commonly shared definition of insider threat across the government. Uh, neither continuous evaluation nor insider threat has been defined in statute. Um, we do feel there's a great deal of momentum now, uh, and now is uh, a good time to be doing this. Several studies could be done uh, specifically in the areas of behavioral uh, monitoring uh, and tying that in with the uh, advanced technical means that we have today. Those are some of the things that we found. Um, one of the overarching aspects, though, is uh, in this security clearance issue, uh, there are many aspects of an organization that are involved, not just the security apparatus. Um, this crosses over into human relations, into the general counsel's office, into physical security, and we suggest uh, tying these entities together holistically uh, to derive the greatest value from the security clearance process and going forward a continuous evaluation aspect of that process. And I think you'll get a lot of plaudits for the final bullet point of recommendations, which is to fully implement security clearance reciprocity, because that's something I think the contractors and the agencies and the people cleared are constantly clamoring for. Yes, yeah, security clearance reciprocity has been an ongoing issue for decades. Uh, it has been attempted in the past, uh, and it has not been successful yet. Uh, there are some aspects uh, of uh, crossover reciprocity, but it has not been fully implemented, and I would certainly agree that's something that uh, should occur um, more difficult uh, than one would imagine. In any issue like this, there are technological aspects and policy aspects, and frequently the policy aspects are more difficult to overcome than the technical technological aspects. In this case, uh, as I mentioned previously, uh, it appears we have the technology available to do this. Now it would be getting uh, agency and department heads uh, in line uh, to agree with uh, policy changes uh, that would bring everybody under a similar umbrella. Yeah, good luck with that one. David Lucky, a senior international and defense researcher at the RAND Corporation. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zell. 
Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.